Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me is Benjamin Solak. And we still got our all-black suits on today. We're still in mourning. The coffins are still out. Open casket. You can go check out the bodies if you want to. It's not pretty. But we got two more teams to bury today, Ben. Because their NFL seasons are cooked. Done. Oh, shoot. I forgot the bagpipes. Oh, no. Oh, no. You just got to do it with your mouth. You just got to, you just got to. Nah, just... <laughs> That's my bagpipe impression. I just wanted to know like what kind of melody or something you were going to come up with on the spot. So. There's no way to like do an actual melody of bagpipes. Bling. It's never been done. No, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a weird noise to do with your mouth because it's like almost like nasally. And yet, yeah, see there. All right. Yep. We're going to pay our respects. Okay. Good luck. To, okay. Now the, the teams are dead. Bagpipes have been played. Yesterday, yesterday we buried the Bengals, the Jets, and the Miami Dolphins. And today, we are burying the Atlanta Falcons and the Washington Redskins. Mm. One of these teams you could have seen coming. The other one, not so much. Ben, which one do you want to start with? Washington Redskins, man. Talking about last podcast, talking about principal agent problems, Washington Redskins, brother. I mean, is this team going to be good anytime soon? Yes or no? Uh, depends. Um, if, is, let me let me ask you this. Okay. Right now, Redskins record, like combined record over the next three seasons. All right. I give you the the over. Does this under. one count? Does this one count? No, 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 no. Three seasons after this one. Okay. Well, that's, so really, that's, that's kind of tough because we don't know who their head coach is going to be, which is an element of burying them because they already have a head coaching casualty firing Jason. Listen, I agree that that makes it tough, but I also think that the fact that we don't know is what's going to serve the point I'm trying to make very nicely, which is three. It's, it's three seasons, so 48 total games, assuming no playoffs, right? Regular so wait, am I actually games. guessing or was that just a ploy? I, let me finish! <laughs> Three seasons. Not letting you finish games. is my favorite pastime. If I set the over under at 24 and 24 as their record combined over 2020, 2021, and 2022, would you take over or under? Way under. Yeah. So that's my point is that even without knowing the head coach, we know enough about Dan Snyder. Yes. To just deduce that no matter what Did- the Redskins do, it's not going to work. It's going to be bad. It's not, I mean, yeah, I, uh, eh, I, I just, at this point, I just hope that they're not going to ruin Dwayne Haskins. If you take their best three game stretch over the last, since, since the, the dawn of the century, they went nine and seven in 2015, mm-hmm. eight, seven and one in 2016, and then seven and nine in 2017. So that's 24, 23 and one. And then the next those are their, thing, the those next, are their best. Yes, that like that's the best combined three game series, three season record they've had yeah. in the two thousands. Next closest Ugh. is next closest is nineteen ninety nine, two thousand and two thousand and one. They went twenty six and twenty two. This team has not put together back to back winning record seasons 
So they did it 2015 to 2016. Mm-hmm. And then the most recent time they've done it since was 96 to 97. And again, they went 8, 7, and 1 in one of those years. That's the only way they do it is if they actually <laughs> tie instead of losing one game. This is amazing. They're so bad. Okay, anyway. They've still so made yeah, the, they st- they've still made the playoffs more recently than Tampa has. I think. Well, okay, yeah. I mean, that's the same as making the playoffs more recently than like a dead body has. Okay, brother. brother. We're, not there, We're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. I'm not burying Tampa. I won't do it. <sighs> wow. Well, I mean, that's your it. call. I'll leave that up to you. Yeah, you. Yeah, you did. And I'm not doing it. Washington, on the other hand, the team that we're supposed to be talking about. I don't really know. You know, where they go from here is going to be interesting because they've got they've got Callahan in there as, as their interim head coach. I don't think that he's going to be their head coach. Um, they kind of have a blank canvas. And not only do they have a blank canvas, they have a, they have a good head start on every other NFL team that's going to be looking for a head coach. And as we've seen over the last couple of years... It's going to be somewhere between six and eight. Like that's just the average now. Six and eight, to, six to eight head coaches are going to head coaching jobs are going to become available. Now it might be a little less some years, just because timing might be a little bit different. So let's say it's like five or something. But we know that there's going to be a handful of teams that are going to be switching head coaches. Washington now has a significant advantage getting to research, watch, study understand tendencies find an identity get some chemistry between them and the ownership whatever all of these things they get a massive head start on the rest of the teams and that makes us kind of bring up the topic of ben when you look at head coaching candidates potential head coaching candidates yeah within the nfl is interesting but a lot of these guys are already on rosters or already on staff sorry so it's so it's a little bit tricky there because a lot of them are focused on their own teams college football is a little bit different you can have a little bit more flexibility looking into the future and potentially reaching out getting in contact with those players although there is it's all in the in season anyways and then the wild card here is the XFL. And I know we can't talk too much about that just because we don't exactly know how those coaching staffs are going to perform in their first year, especially in an inaugural year in a league. But down the road, we're, that's going to be something that we're going to think about. It's, it's a whole other coaching carousel to kind of go through. But let's focus on college right now. Mm-hmm. College coaches, Ben, for Washington, mm-hmm. I know that, that Lincoln Riley's the hot name. That's the big name. And I've kind of gone on record writing about this. I think that that Washington would be a team to throw an ungodly amount of money at Lincoln Riley. Do you agree with that? And and, and go, you can you can feel free to go into from stemming on Lincoln Riley talks to other head coaching candidates that you might look at in college football that might be uh might be hot names for this Washington team. I mean, like I, I I'm not. not super sold that they're gonna you know trip over each other trip over themselves for lincoln to the extent to which i think like every team who needs a quarterback should i don't think anything makes washington more likely to do so now i will say the college coach who comes to mind in terms of who should be the target for washington is ryan day ryan day was your offensive coordinator in haskins one year of starting he was interim head coach for three games haskins went out there and broke drew Brees' record in the big 10 
So if you're looking for an active college coach right now, Ryan Day's been the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes for one year and three oh, man, games. Man, it'd just be such a right. jump. Right. Well, I mean, if you don't want to go for that jump, well, then you go and you you look at Urban Meyer, who's currently sitting on the Fox desk or whatever. ESPN do desk. you think like, do you think Urban Meyer would really go to the NFL, make a jump? No, that's why I think you started Urban. He tells you no, and then you go to Ryan Day. But this is why, why you, you say— Why would you start Urban if you don't want him to say yes? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I think you would prefer Urban today because of Urban's uh, history and, 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 you know, pedigree of winning. Now, obviously, there's personal things Urban did in this situation with the wide receiver coach, whose name is escaping me, who, you know, I would hope that teams would have— qualms about bringing urban meyer in but i doubt that would be the case with dan snyder and the washington redskins so i think they're gonna start at urban if dan snyder starts at urban man good god i think with i think the first thing okay your quarterback is dwayne haskins i think the first thing you have to do is take the temperature on urban and then if you're serious about haskins it's you you go to ryan day and you see what ryan day's interest is in potentially jumping to the nfl listen this is why, went, like, because you, because you, you made this point before, and I disagree with it. You, you, you know, uh, the, the Redskins are an advantage because uh, it's earlier, sure, but also number one, people are going to say no to you a lot earlier, and that looks really bad. And secondly, you're they're at a disadvantage because this is not Zach Taylor coming to Cincy saying, "Hey, listen, you're going to be able to go at your own quarterback within a year." This is listen, Haskins. You, this is the rookie, right? And unless you make a hire. Like Arizona did with Cliff, which was, you know, so far outside of the box, it was in a different box, right? Just like completely off the wall with the Cliff hire. Dude who was fired from his college head coaching job and then was hired to the NFL head coaching job. So unless you make that sort of a hire and you have an owner like Michael Bidwell, who was very willing to move on from the ninth overall pick, the tenth, whatever Rosen was for the Cardinals in 2018. Ten. That that's a very rare scenario. And so unless you've got that. You're marrying this head coach to Dwayne Haskins. So to me, you start with the coaches who've been successful with Dwayne Haskins. All right. That's Urban Meyer and Ryan Day. All right. First of all, first of all, before you continue to slander my opinions incorrectly, I said (laughs) that they were at an advantage. Not necessarily that they would be the best team destination, but I am saying that of the teams that are going to be looking for head coaches— when you take into account what they can do right now, getting a head start makes sense. Sure, maybe I guess you could have t- candidates tell you no earlier, but you can't exactly think about that as it being an advantage or a disadvantage. You've got to think, okay, I get these guys in front of me earlier. Like if you point, like if you want to go after Urban Meyer, you're the only team that's going after Urban Meyer right now. So like you are com- you are because Urban's not coaching a team. Urban's in broadcasting. So right now, if you're actually if Urban Meyer is, which I don't, man, that would be that'd be such a stretch for me. Um, but if Urban Meyer is, say, their top candidate, they get to have all the talks they want with him now. They get to wine and dine this dude for months. And at the end of the day, it's like, okay, Urban might. Let's just say in in a world where Urban's going to get courted by multiple teams, maybe he could very well wait to say like, all right, I'm gonna wait till December and see what other teams are going to offer me. Okay, fine. But if you are Washington, there's a good chance that no matter what, no matter who you talk to, even if they might not say hard yes right now, because you are getting in with them early, you're going to be at the final table. Your hat's going to be on the table for them to choose from. Now, at that point, it's you know money, job security, quarterback situation, whether they can pick the rest of their staff, all that kinds of stuff. That all goes into it. But I don't really see. I don't really think it's a disadvantage at all from them being able to pick early. 
I, because I think that no right. matter what, as long as they're in the ear, they're going to be there at the end with with the teams with, or with the quarterbacks choosing. Sorry, head coaches. Word vomiting today. The head coaches choosing where they might want to go. I don't, man. I mean, oh, well, here's like, yeah, I, I hear what you're in. saying. I really do. I it, to me, like, I would like the idea of more time to do more homework. More if I trusted. Yeah, you the would want to do more homework, the, you nerd. Hey, I'm an idiot. Okay. Um. But then, like, wait, I would wait, like wait, the, wait, wait, wait. When's the last time you did homework? You know, like probably May. When was my last year? In do you miss college, it yet? Do you miss it yet? Do oh, I miss it? Good God! I texted individually every single one of my friends going back to school. <laughs> yes, sucker! You are an <laughs> idiot. Anyway, um, right. I would like the idea of the Redskins having you know increased period of time to do work on head coaching candidates. I would like that idea more if I trusted the dudes in charge of the search, but I don't. And so that's kind of a tricky thing, right? That's 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 the um. That's why, you know, with the Redskins, that's why you know, I say, like, over the next three years, what do we expect the record to be? We expect it to be losing, and we don't even know what Haskins is or who the head coach is going to be just because you don't trust the principal. So it's unlikely to trust the guy who makes the, uh, the guy he hires because you don't trust him in the first place. But, like, in the hypothetical that Washington gets it right, which, you know, is what it is, team still needs multiple Mold. years of work. Yeah. Yeah. No, right? they do. All right. I so, mean, yeah, so let's, I, let's get into some roster talk now. Let's get to some draft mm-hmm. needs, okay? If, if you know, d- independent of who might be the head coach, which obviously fit and head coach and philosophy will mean a lot towards a roster. When you when you look at this Washington team going down the depth chart, where you looking at the the primary needs, especially with them early on in the draft. Well, number one, you 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 signed Donald Penn to the two year deal because Trent Williams don't want to play ball for you anymore. So this is a, you know another great example. But uh, him and Morgan Moses is that you know long term like Moses sticking to right tackle is good. Penn is old. Penn is a free agent. Uh, I don't know if that's what you want long term as your left tackle. Same goes for Eric Flowers, who's played better at left guard for the Redskins than he has ever played in any position, shock. any team in his wow. entire life. Wow! So shocked. Much shock. But Very he surprise to be a, a, a liability there. Now you addressed the offensive line a little bit with uh, West Martin out of Indiana, in the fourth round, Ross Piercebacher out of Alabama in the fifth round. So maybe we sit on interior offensive line, but I think you still got to be looking long term at tackle. Then for the for for Haskins, the weapons that you got to get for this guy. I mean, okay, McLaurin looks great, mm-hmm. but Josh Doxson and Paul Richardson has not borne fruit. Trey Quinn. Has been a, not the high volume replacement for Jamison Crowder that they were necessarily hoping he was going to be. Jordan Howard is or not Jordan Howard, excuse me. Jordan Reed is infrequently active and healthy, and when he is, of questionable efficacy given the extent of his injuries. Vernon Davis is similar to Donald Penn, an older player who you don't want to be trusting in the long term. And then the running back room, you hate to say it, Trev. You hate to say it, do Darius. You? Geis. Do you? Do you? Darius Geis. Two two seasons, two significant injuries. Don't bring this up. If we if, if we can get this young man back, don't bring this up. Good player. He's a good player. I'm not ready. But I'm not sure we can. And don't, so now don't it you say those words to me. Adrian Peterson, who's the same as Vernon Davis, who's the same as Donald Penn. Like we are relying on old veterans at key spots on this team. And then it's Chris Thompson, who's a good receiving back. And so there needs to be a, a significant early investment in multiple offensive skill positions. If you want to ride with McLaurin, Harmon, Richardson, go for it. But you need to improve running back. You need to improve tight end. If you want to ride with Peterson, Chris Thompson, 
Try to get guys healthy for year three. Go for it. I'm fine with that. But you got to get you got to get wide receiver and tight end. You need to infuse young talent into this team. Defense has got promising young pieces. And yeah. we'll, you know, we we'll get to that unit. Offense is really lacking for those right now. So you got to bring in rookies. Yeah, but you're not gonna right. I mean, you're 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 not gonna be drafting a running back or a tight end with their first pick. So I mean, is is it O line? Like, is almost like locked in O line for Washington at the top? I would, I would, I think that wide receiver is a very legitimate option. I mean, that's and true. I, that's true. Right. I, but when I so I posted my mock draft last week and I gave them C D Lamb and I like the thought of C D Lamb in the offense, but I can't tell you how many Washington people were like, "Hey, C D Lamb's great." If they don't go O line, jumping off a bridge. And I was like, "Wow, that's oh, and, aggressive and that, and that, for one. Right, it's a mock that, draft." Yes. Hopefully the bridge right, is. Right. Hopefully the bridge is not. Mm-hmm. Large. Very shallow bridge. Right. Hopefully there's a, a smooth body of water underneath it. A ball pit underneath. I agree. Oh, a but ball that, pit. That would be great. Yeah. A ball pit. When's the last thrilled. time you jumped into a ball pit? Be honest. Oh, probably a while ago. I don't know. Last I'll think week. on this. Last week. Actually, no. Yeah, I'll go while. I'll go to like a McDonald's with a playpen tomorrow, and I'll go jump in. All, you know, 22 years of life of me will go jump in just for the sake of this podcast. But – I'm there on offensive line. I'm there if you have a high enough draft pick to get one of Worfs or Thomas, who we assume to be top five selections. So, yeah, like right now where we have the projected uh, on the mock draft machine at the Draft Network, we have them third uh, overall. Well, mm-hmm. Thomas and Worfs are going to be there for right, you. Right, also, right, go ahead and make that selection. I just think that even if you don't want to go running back and tight end because those are lower value positions, you know, kind of uh, uh, the, the, uh, the heuristic around them, I think wide receivers should be on the table for you. Especially when you're bringing around a young, uh, I talked about this last podcast. You're bringing around a young quarterback. I'd like to see you bring around a young, uh, a young pass catcher as well. Well, if you know, if we're talking about them having multiple playmaker needs, could Washington be a serious trade down candidate if they have a top five pick? I kind of think they could. Oh yeah, I mean, if you, you think know? you have Haskins and and there are teams, oh, absolute Trevor, great point, great point. Yeah. Washington probably right now is the team that we're circling in terms right. of the top five right. picks that we project as the, the, the team that's most likely to be a trade-down candidate. Mm-hmm. Now, what you're basically saying there is, you know, if we're thinking, I think it's probably the Redskins and the Jets, right? The two teams most likely to be in the top five who they have Sam Darnold, they have Dwayne Haskins. If you've got, you know, the Bengals and the Dolphins are in position to get their quarterbacks, but like a team like the Chargers or Denver or or Tampa, who's going to be like more so in the late single digits, early teens, wants mm-hmm. to come up to go get their guy, then yeah, Russ is in a great spot. They, and they don't have a second round pick right now. It just goes straight from because like... Because of the Montez sweat trade, the right? Number, right. The, it goes like the top five pick, which we assume, which is right now number three. And then as it stands right now, they don't pick again until 67. Like, woo boy, that's, that is a giant gap for a team that needs a lot more. So if I'm looking at Washington... I've got to think this is a prime team to trade down. Now, I don't think they're going to get out of the top five because either they need a playmaker or they need a good offensive lineman. But there's two good ones to have in Werfs and Thomas, as it stands right now. And there's a buttload of wide receivers that you could pick in the top ten that would really help you. And if you really wanted to get further down than that, this running back class is going to be awesome. So if you wanted a running back at some point, cashing in on a couple of different day two picks, you could absolutely do that as well. So... I think there are multiple avenues for the Washington Redskins to trade down in this upcoming draft and really come away with a lot of pieces that they're going to need if they want to recover. Right. What's exciting for this team and what's going to be curious to see with a new offensive 
coaching staff is Greg Minuski, the current defense coordinator. Gotta go. You, I, Jim, felt like, I felt like you said his name very fancy, but it requires that. G- Greg Minuski. I felt Greg like Minuski? How, uh, like how you said go. that, but it was very neat. Yeah. Uh, say, gotta go. Uh, they have Jim Tom Sula, who I think has done a great job coaching that defensive line. He'd be an, a, a coach I'm interested in retaining. Uh, but Minuski's gotta go, and you gotta really address this back seven in terms of. I mean, you're getting great play out of, out of Cole Holcomb, fifth round pick at a UNC. That's a stellar selection. Um, but you'd like to surround him with a little bit better and more predictable talent. Of course, they do have uh, the issue where on IR is currently um, whatever uh, Ruben Foster, right? And so oh, right. if you're able to get if you get Foster back, then you should be at a good uh, a good spot on line on the line or excuse me linebackers. Uh, but in the secondary, you need multiple new starters at corner, in my opinion, with Josh Norman, Quinton Dunbar right now being in the building. Moreland's probably good for you with the nickel, Jimmy Moreland. Probably this pod, this pod stands stands unconditionally. Um, Damn right we do. And then at safety, Landon Collins is the addition. You probably want to upgrade a free safety over what you've gotten from Monte Nicholson and Troy Apke thus far. So you need work to be done there. And, and an infusion of new scheme should accompany an infusion of new talent. The, probably the front seven does not need to be touched. You can probably get by. With, you, you definitely don't need an interior defensive lineman. And you probably don't need to address edge that desperately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it, it's safety and corner where I think the work should be done uh, for the Redskins. And that's the other thing that you have to consider, you know, depending on who you who it is you bring in, uh, you know, and talking about not knowing the coaching staff here, depending on who it is you bring in. If, you know, this is a, a, a guy who wants to go spread with four wide receivers, then, yeah, you got to add bodies at that position. But if we're talking about a, a traditional West Coast approach who's going to be comfortable having the receiver depth chart that the Redskins do, maybe you're looking at going corner early instead. Ben, I got bad news for you before we move on what? to the, the other team that we're going to talk about today. Ryan Kerrigan. Yeah? Only has two sacks so far through seven. And listen, listen, listen. It, that dude's got to go on a tear to keep that double-digit sack thing going. I will do anything I can uh-huh. in the world uh-huh. to ensure that when he plays the Eagles later, sack, falling on my own sword here, he has like four sacks. He's going to need a lot. He's had... No less than seven and a half sacks, which only happened once his rookie year since 2011. And as we have talked about before on this podcast, Ryan Kerrigan is having the most quiet Hall of Fame career that I may have ever seen in my life. And if he keeps yeah. it up. Well, if, if he stays under 10 sacks, it can be a little bit too quiet. I know, Ryan, come on, Ryan. Yeah. He'll wake it up, he'll wake it up. Listen, there's a reason this man has gone over 10 sacks in every single year since 1836, all right? Big Consistent. Big you can set your clock to it. It'll be okay. Okay, all right. Second team that we got to talk about today that we got to bury in the NFC, the Atlanta Falcons. This is, you know, we expected Washington to be not good, um, mainly because it was, it's been dysfunctional for years, as Ben has highlighted, and it starts at the very top. Falcons are a team that is not that far removed from a Super Bowl berth. Now, albeit a crushing, a soul-crushing end that happened during that game, but this is a really talented roster. We've talked about this before. I, I certainly went into this year in the last couple of years thinking, man, I mean, sh- sure, you could, you could look at little spots where you'd want to upgrade here and there, but I thought the Falcons roster top to bottom was pretty damn good. They're sitting here at 1-6, with a pretty experienced coaching staff, and their only win is against the Eagles that shouldn't have even happened because if Nelson right. Aguilar puts his arm out, the Eagles win that football game. 
And I don't say that to uh, bring up PTSD for Ben. I say that meaning that the Falcons should not have a single win this season. And it's crazy to think of it like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. This whole coaching staff can get fired. And, you know, bringing that part up, Dan Quinn's currently the head coach. Dirk Cutter's the offensive coordinator. Who's DC? Who's DC for them? I mean, I, mean, I guess it's it, Dan uh, Quinn, right? I guess it's, it's still it's Dan Quinn. Quinn. Yeah. And then they have uh, another. I'll look at the coaching staff right now. They have somebody else who, like, helps, I guess. So Quinn fired the whole coaching staff this past offseason after the Falcons had a down yeah. year. But Ah, the old save my job. I'm blaming the other people. Right. Move. And, and, and that, that's what Dan Quinn did. But I thought that. I thought that it was a strange. It's not the first time we've seen head coaches do this. This is what you do: you fire the guys around you, and you keep your, your you keep your job an extra year to see if you could turn it around. It's a very common practice. But the thing with the Falcons that was weird is that their struggles last year. I mean, I guess we're seeing it's bleeding over into this year, but they were so beat up last year. They had so many key injuries last year that you looked at the Atlanta Falcons and you went, "Okay, get them healthy." And this team will be back on track for at least competing in their division and in the NFC. Man, they're healthy. I understand that Keanu Neal is, is hurt, and that's a, that's a big blow for them as one of their key defensive players. But Keanu Neal ain't making up for three, four wins. This team is one in six, and they look pitiful. They're bad. And, man, I, I got to think the whole coaching staff's getting wiped after this. And if you're wiping the whole coaching staff, you look at this Atlanta roster— I guess aging is a way to play, put it, but you know Matt Ryan's getting up there in age. Julio Jones is even getting up there in age. You know, Devonta Freeman's got some miles on him. You go to switch to the defensive side. I mean, they're going to move on from from Vic Beasley for sure. Secondary is not what it needs to be. I mean, they're giving up all kinds of yardage in the passing game. This Atlanta roster might look a lot different in the next couple of years and i think that this year we're starting to see that they're going to open the door to possibly rebuild a lot of stuff here right i mean well selling sanu makes sense i mean it was a nice contract right right i'm glad you brought that up yeah yeah so so muhammad sanu goes to new england on uh, on the morning of tuesday the 22nd uh for a second round pick which is healthy uh in my opinion for muhammad sanu's skill level dude it's a third round pick they're gonna be picking 64 it's a third round pick. Hey, if that hey, would have said, if that hey, number next to the you pick, you have to believe. If the, Trevor, if the thing would have like said, six, if people would have, <laughs> if people would have been like, oh, he got dealt for a third round pick, everybody would have been like, oh yeah, okay, that's fine, I could get into that. But because it's the last pick of the second round, people are automatically telling me it's rich. He's gonna be good for the Patriots. I agree. I'm just saying, I don't think they needed... I don't think Sanu is a, is a huge delta. I don't think they delta. need anything. Right. That's the, that's the thing, right? Like, what about the 33 to nothing win over the Jets made you feel like you needed to send a second for another offensive weapon? I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if you saw this on Twitter, but, you know, this trade happened early in the morning. And so, Adam Schefter's back-to-back-to-back tweets in a row were... It was right at the end of the Jets-Patriots game where he said the Patriots are outscoring their opponents at a historic rate, so much so that only only one other team in NFL's history has ever had more of a points gap at this point in the season. It was like the 1905 Bears or something stupid. And then the very next tweet that he has in the morning, so like time had passed like six, seven hours, the very next tweet he has is, 
the Falcons are trading Mohamed Sanu to the New England Patriots. And then the immediate tweet after that was, the Patriots needed offensive weapons, period. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? Hey, listen, he's sweetie. Not, he's not wrong, but it's just right. hilarious to, to see those three tweets back to back to back. Right. It is fun. I agree with you. It's, it's quite funny. I also think that, like, yeah, like, if there was an area for the Patriots to improve, you know, after uh, you cut Demarius Thomas and Nikhil Harry goes on IR, wide receiver's the spot. And also, I have an article coming out for the Draft Network here presently, which is on Mohamed Sanu being a really, really good fit for what New England asks of their wide receivers. He's the ideal sort of mold in terms of, of how effective of a route runner he is and how good he is at under uh, identifying zone coverage and sitting in the holes. And so... Sunu, accordingly, I, I think fits really well with what what, what the, the Patriots have in terms of their offense and, and how they like to run that timing-based pocket system that Brady prefers. That said, cycling back here to the Falcons, it makes sense to sell who? Uh, to sell uh, uh, Sunu. You've had uh, – uh, you draft Calvin Ridley. You have Julio Jones. Uh, Austin Hooper's been a good receiving option for you. Hopefully this means they start activating my son – Alameda Zacchaeus, undrafted free agent out of Virginia. Uh, they're a good slot receiver, I'm telling you. Um, now, so so that makes sense. I think you still have other candidates for a sell. Obviously, we know Vic Beasley's been on the trade market for a little bit now. Um, you have at defensive tackle Dedrin Sanat, who is a healthy scratch for you, is a third-round pick from last year. If you're not going to use him, I would try to get rid of him. And then finally, the one that's really been floating around a lot is Desmond Trufant. Trufant is a relatively expensive corner over the next years but he's, he's he's a good corner he's a man coverage corner who can tag good receivers in space he's not necessarily what he used to be he's dealt with some injury but Trufant's a starting corner in this league and they're not really using him in Atlanta so we'll see how much more they continue to sell at the deadline I think that will indicate how long this rebuild could be but I agree with you a lot of the players that we thought were really just impactful talent for this team if it's just coaching we'll be able to tell pretty quickly but it seems like this this roster is not as strong especially on the defensive side of the football as we thought yeah uh, and so yes Atlanta's in a position where and very rarely this is the position but they're going to be in the spot where you have a top 10 pick while also having a really good veteran quarterback like mm -hmm. Ryan is playing well they just can't win. Well, sometimes I, I, I think. Mo is it like most I think of the Ryan, time? I think Ryan's having a fine season. Okay, that's that fine might be. I, I might be able to co-sign with that. So, but this is a team where uh, we think the Falcons are going to be picking top five, right? And I mean, yeah, we think. I would tell you that they're they're finally going to move on from Vic Beasley this year, which has kind of been a long time coming. Their other edges are John Kaminsky, Alan Bailey, Adrian Claiborne, and then Takaris McKinley. I gotta think Edge is the play here for Atlanta. I gotta think. Um, I know they could go corner if they want to shake things up in the secondary because they have not been great in the secondary so far this year. Not. But when, I'm pretty sure when Keanu Neal was there, like a couple weeks into the season, they were actually pretty good against the pass. So I, again, like I don't know. All that to say, I've got to think the Edge Rusher's number one priority for Atlanta. And they do have an additional second-round pick now, obviously, with Mohamed Sanu. So they've got five picks in the top 100, which I think they could— I think we talked about Washington being a candidate to trade back. I think Atlanta could be a trade candidate now to trade up. Like, Atlanta's sitting there— Like, Atlanta's sitting there— No, 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 not from, not from like, four. I, sorry, I didn't mean, like, four. Or, right. like, in the top five. I mean, like, they have a very early, early second-round pick. If you pair 
that second round pick and say their third pick at number 68, which is early third round, or even the, the late second round or whatever, and they jump back into the early 20s or something, they might be able to double dip on maybe the best, best pass rusher in the draft with Chase Young, and then also, who knows, get themselves uh, maybe a Trayvon Diggs, a cornerback in, in the top of that second round. So, or sorry, the, the, the tail end of the first round. I look at Atlanta, and when, when we talk about this roster and potentially salvaging what could be a window to win, even with the new coaching staff, I think Atlanta could be a team that gets aggressive and might end up having two first-round picks when this is all said and done. I mean, uh, there were two first-round picks this past year as well, and it was with the idea of rebuilding the offensive line, Chris mm-hmm. Lindstrom and, and Caleb McGarry. Obviously, they've lost Lindstrom to injury. He's on IR. McGarry's been, as you expected when he came out of Washington, up and down. His film at Washington wasn't great, mm-hmm. but a first-round pick in large part because this is like a 6'8", 335 guy who could jump out the gym. Like You don't find many of those. you know. And so uh, McGarry's always, I think, going to be a guy who you expect to get a little bit better as uh, as time goes on. So... Two first-round picks in uh, uh, in 2019. If they go for it again, they go for it again. And I agree with you. I, I do think it would be in the trenches. Tack has not been uh, consistent in year three. He actually has juice, though. Vic Beasley at this point is laughable in terms of what is uh, he just, he the fact that been, he, he just hasn't been good for a, a long time, man. Right. The fact that he was put as a starter uh, – for as long as he was is laughable, right? The fact that like, you know, this is we're halfway into the 2019 season. And I think like, you know, in the beginning of 2018, we all kind of knew that Beasley was not going to be panning out mm-hmm. maybe even earlier, you know, like, so it, it's quite sad uh, that, that it's taken us this long to get here. So yeah, edge and corner are the two spots that I see as big significant needs. That's gonna, that's highly, uh, Change. And it's highly subject to change because, like we said, we kind of expect Atlanta to be sellers here at the deadline. I don't think moving Sanu is too much of a needle mover when you have Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Justin Hardy. Uh, now Zacchaeus potentially stepping in as a wide receiver for they bring in Russell Gage, who's one of their best special teamers. So wide receiver, you're probably still fine and you're going to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, yeah, you're looking at potentially adding a nickel after you lost Brian Poole to the Jets in free agency and then bringing in multiple edges uh, is the move, is the early approach for Atlanta. I don't know how aggressive they'll necessarily be trading back up into the first round. Um, I do think that, as I said with the Redskins, you have a quarterback and you have a top five pick. Somebody comes calling because they really want to get Herbert, Easton, Hurts before somebody else does. I mean, uh, to me, that, that you know, anytime you can trade back for a quarterback price, that's usually a King's ransom. I would expect them to do it. Yeah, the head coach and what's going to happen there is going to determine a lot of where the Falcons might go with those early picks. But right. Do we have like let's let's assume Dan Quinn is gone, right? Mm-hmm. Which I feel like nah, kind of safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's got to be gone. right. If you do have anybody right off the top of your head, do you think just makes sense for Atlanta? Period. Um, trying to think of offensive coordinators in the NFL that might be hot names. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, I think is going to be a really popular name throughout the entire coaching carousel, if you want to call it that. Um. People think that Byron Leftwich is going to be from Tampa. I just don't see it. I think that they're just throwing his name around because he's new and he's an offensive mind. Todd Munkin's interesting, but I thought that Todd Munkin would be doing a little bit better than he is in Cleveland, although I don't know exactly what goes on behind closed doors there. I'm, am, I missing, am I missing a big one in NFL circles? No, 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 that's the thing. It's like nobody really jumps out to me as like, hey – do you want to come coach in Atlanta? I mean, I think the enemy. I think Eric Bieniemy, yeah. the offensive coordinator from the Kansas City Chiefs, is going to be the hottest name from the NFL, or he he should so? be. 
Yeah, I think he should be. Yes, that would be my guess. I mean, I'm there. You know what I mean? Like, if you get like, speaking from experience, hiring the hiring the Kansas City offensive coordinator tends to go pretty well. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, so I that that wouldn't surprise me too much if Bieniemy comes in. Uh, Ryan is a really good under center passer, and he's about to start to take a lot less snaps under center. I think so there so. is that. To consider. I think so, but I I, I don't. Mm, like I don't think it's it's as contrast. Like oh, this is this is what this is how uh, Bienemy had his offense with Patrick Mahomes. This is how it's going to be under Matt Ryan. I think it's going to be a little bit different. It'll be a little bit more friendly. But in terms of like who's going to come in for Atlanta, and the reason why I didn't say any college names is because w- how we talk about this roster here and the potential for it to be salvaged, I don't think they're going to want a guy who hasn't coached in the NFL before. So I, I really do think that Bienemy makes a lot of sense for them because he's been around the block when it comes to head coaching interviews before. He's been a potential candidate. This year, I think he's really going to get it, and I think that he has more of the experience and he has the offensive mind of what Atlanta is probably going to be looking for. So that's why I, I think that he would probably be the name, if you're asking me what pops out to me right away, he'd be my guy in Atlanta if he'd be available. So. There's no chance they go like right back to the well and hire like Chris Richard, right? Like they or like Robert Salata. I just Stan don't. Brand. I just don't. He might, like if they hire so. another Seattle tree defensive coordinator. Like, oh, continuity won't change the scheme. I just, I just don't think. I think they're going to go offense. I really do, especially I, with Connor struggling as much as he is. I just think they're going to go offensive head coach. They're going to want that at the top. It's my guess, though. You got any other ones, or that's it? You just asked. No, me. I was I was curious if there's somebody who stood out to you because there's nobody who really stands out to me. Yeah, that's what I'd say. I'd probably go with that. And I think if you're Atlanta, you'd look forward to that. That'd be a really good name to to look at and kind of covet. All right, there you go. Two teams. We got five teams dead in the water, six feet under. No, no, no. That was the bagpipes. We're probably going to have more team funerals next week and in the following weeks as the NFL season goes on. We're still going to preview the NFL coming up tomorrow. And then we got Fan Friday later this week. We didn't do designated college football show this week. But if you have college football things you want to talk about, you guys know what to do. We got, the, we got Fan Friday. Hit the Twitter handles at Tampa Bay Trey, at Benjamin Solak. Get your questions in. We'll talk about all kinds of college football games this weekend if that's what you guys want to talk about. And if not, we'll up, open up the floor to whatever other ridiculousness you guys want to talk about. It's going to be a fun rest of the week. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.